What would you do if we poked you in the axiom? The purpose, to ask questions and engage in dialogue about subjects that we call axioms. An axiom. A statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. These are the underpinnings of our thought, our belief, and the ways that we live out our lives. A question. An examination to determine the validity and or meaning. Dialogue. The process of determination. The process of our examination. Welcome. Welcome once again to What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom. Uh, I am your host, one of your hosts. My name is Malcolm Fowler, and to my left... Tom Spartan. <laughs> and to my right... Mike Dion. We are in some good spirits today as we, as we join together this afternoon where we are recording. And we, are, we continue in our, in our quest in these things to, to define and to poke these axioms that we, that we want to talk about. This is our second episode on good and evil and on trying to define these things and trying to poke these things. And if you've been following along with us, one of the things that you've noted about us is that sometimes sometimes we get ourselves all over the place and then we kind of have to gather ourselves back and, and come back to the topic at hand. Uh, and I'm sure that today won't be any different. And uh, so, so today we are going to continue with good and evil. And one of the places that, that we, one of the things that we talked about last time was the definition of these things and, and how it is that we can know them. And so the, the question that I had coming into this this afternoon as I thought about good and evil, the question that I had was, do we define each of them by the other one? In, in other words, you know, do we f- define evil by the lack of good in it or do we define good by the lack of evil in it? Is that a place that we can begin as we sort of explore this piece of good and evil and as we continue to poke this axiom? I think so. <laughs> A nice, simple answer. That's unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, unacceptable. Expound, expound. Well, so, I mean, I think we do do that all the time. I mean, we kind of have these this binary way of thinking. Um, might be more more shades of gray depending on you know your proclivity to read uh let's not insult our readers i'm sorry i'm <laughs> oh, sorry readers yeah, yeah. listeners <laughs> constant <laughs> listeners yeah, yeah. stop listening to us and, uh, <laughs> read a book yeah go read nietzsche um <laughs> just start with nietzsche just start with nietzsche uh, yeah. there might be one or two places you'd want to start before that well it can only go uphill from oh well like, after, okay you know after yeah, that- he obliterates all morals start start your sentence over again somewhere (laughs) (laughs) i think the problem is is what are we going to put first right are we going to are we going to measure the good based upon what we think is evil or vice versa because there are practical consequences um to how we do that Mm. i like that because i think that i think that our tendency is to is to take the route of defining one versus the other, right? Using one to define the other. Um, but you, you just bring up a really good point of like, well, where do you, where do you start? Because Mike, when we were talking beforehand, you kind of indicated like, yeah, but you get in an endless feedback loop, don't you? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, well, I know what's good because it's, it's the opposite of evil and I know what's evil because it's the opposite of good. And, 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 uh, uh, wait a minute. Right. You, you quickly, (laughs) you quickly just sort of end up, you know, spinning your head. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of wondering if there's if there's something beyond 
the inversion of the other that that is but I, I can't put my finger on it, so I'm just kind of sitting here mulling it over. <laughs> so later in the later in this episode we'll we'll expect some sort of long monologue from you. Eureka! Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say we should give you a bell. So like <laughs> after, yeah. I'll just push one of oh, these Mike buttons over here. Say. Yeah, we'll done, see, <laughs> see what sound effect comes out of it. <laughs> done mulling. Um yeah, is there something say that again. Is there something is there something outside of the inversion of the of the other that that actually defines one or the other? And I, and I think you're kind of touching on it because if you if you were starting with one, then then you're saying, well, this one is defined not by the inversion of the other, but it's defined by something outside of the the loop, and then mm. the the opposite. So, like, if we say good is defined by something outside of this feedback loop, and the opposite of good is evil. Or vice versa, you know, evil is defined outside this feedback loop. So then the opposite of evil is goodness, uh, which, you know, I almost feel like the opposite of evil is apathy. But that's a whole other discussion. That's Nihilism is, is exhausting. <laughs> it's not an episode until we get that in there at least once. About nihilism? <laughs> <It's> exhausting. <laughs> um, oh. I think, okay, I think that... Something, something that we brought up last time, and and I know, I know, Thomas, that this was this was something that you really wanted to to get on here, because w- when we ended, we ended with 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 you, Mike, sort of indicating that there seems to be this desire for like what is evil in our, in our lives. There seems to be this desire for um, almost something destructive at times, right? And, and 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 you know, I think we talked about this. You brought it up. Thomas, that we talked about it in a previous episode with addiction. Like there's what's the, you know, we oftentimes choose these things that are destructive in our lives, right? Like we oftentimes choose these, these things that, that seem, seem evil. I mean, and, and, you know, we can, we can look at our own, own lives and examine them. I'm losing my train of thought here. So I want to try and get to something. Um, so to try and define evil in that sense is, is one thing, but I think that I think that we want to think of ourselves as good people. So while our behavior may indicate that we have this proclivity towards evil within us, I think that when we look at our own lives, we'd like to think of ourselves as good people, right? So I think that's why it's actually easier for us to define good as the absence of evil. Because I want to think of myself because I want to think of myself as a good person, right? So, so if I just don't do these things. If I just don't do evil, I'm good. It's like the worst I'm a form good person. Of I, don't hurt, I, I don't hurt anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. But We're, do you help anybody? Right. I would say, I would say good absolutely has to have a positive. So uh, that's why I liked what you said about apathy. Mm. Right? I think it was, it was either Eli Wiesel or um, Viktor Frankl. I can't remember which one who said, uh, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to I'm going to go, you know, pop culture nerd over here and uh, the Illumineers. Well, uh Thor when when he finally is fed up with Loki in one of the movies, he he's not treating him like he hates him. He's treating him like he just doesn't care. Yeah. And that's what like Loki can't handle. And we live most of our lives, a lot of us live our lives in that apathy. Like, well, I'm a good person. I don't hate them. So, you know, you don't feel anything for them. The thing is, is for so many of us, isn't the thing that we yearn for 
something other than apathy. Isn't this in a parental sense, right? Like if you think of a parent, right, and you think like I just, just and and, and studies can show, you know, children that that feel loved, that know that they are loved, tend to do better. I'm not saying it's an absolute rule, right? But they just tend to do better. And when you look at like stories of people that had parents that were apathetic towards them, like it's an extremely uphill battle for them to become any kind of functioning member of society, right? Like we, so what I'm saying is, is, is even though we may operate in some very apathetic ways, I think that there is a desire within us for something other than apathy in our lives. I think that, I mean, I think what makes depression so horrible is that it's just one never ending apathetic moment. I mean, the, you know, Acadia, the term used, you know, the Greek term comes from asceticism. It's, you know, despondency. That's how it would be called today. But it's not, it's not, it's not just like feeling bad. It's lethargy. It's uncaring. It's, um, no motivation, no motivation. And it's just apathy towards everything. And I know from my life, the most intense periods of depression I've ever had. It's like, well, I'm going to go make something happen so I can feel something. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's going to be good or bad. I'm going to feel something other than this. (laughs) Trent Reznor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. It's true. I mean, that's why, like. (laughs) You just credited Trent Reznor with that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because. He wrote it. Oh, he. I thought it was Johnny Cash. Oh, no, you're right. Johnny Cash covered it. Never Give it mind. the times, uh, man. Uh, Though, I granted, was, Trent Reznor did say that's, that's Johnny Cash's song now. Johnny changed yeah. one line. Yeah. And he a did. prize to our listener who can f- tell us which it is. All right, I won't say it. Okay. Pri- Ooh. The prize, the giveaway is hidden in the episode. I like it. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, okay. Back to the podcast. Where are we? Yeah. <laughs> We're hurting question. ourselves. Good We're question. Hurting ourselves. Where, where are we? Okay. Apathy. Apathy, which, but you just brought up something that that we sort of teased out with good. That Mike, you were saying good has this sort of positive impact, right? Like it has this sort of this action to it, right? And and I would say that that evil. Thomas and I were sort of chatting about this when you had stepped out of the room. That that I would say that evil has this this not a positive but an action element to it. That it's not simply like a vacuum where there's like where there's no where there's no good. Well, there's something, kept, there's something active about it. You, earlier when you were talking, you, you kept using the word destruction, destructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're kind of almost using it interchangeably with evil. Yeah. Uh, it, was that intentional? I think that it can be a feature of evil. I think, that, I think one of the features of evil is that, is that it has this, dis, this destructive property to it. Yeah. Um, the features, but, advantages, and benefits of evil. You get your destruction right here, folks. But in some sense, in some sense, like, I, I guess you could sort of say the same thing about good because in some sense, like, good destroys evil. I, I mean, yeah. Again, like you, so let's, let's come uh, back to it here. Yeah, jeez. Do they define each other? I think that's where we started, Thomas. I think they do <laughs> for us here on Earth. Okay, hold on. Does good destroy evil or does it overcome evil? And is there a difference? Yes, I, I like that. I like that usage of the word "overcome" better than "destroy." Redeem? <gasps> oh, get out of here with your Christian terminology! <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I like the I like the overcoming better than destroying. But one of the one of the ideas that I was sort of thinking about is how like the law or a law sort of provides like a blessing and a curse. And I'll I'm using some you know yeah more Christian terminology. Why don't you call it no, religious I mean, terminology? Spiritual. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Factual. <laughs> the law the law provides a blessing, right? Like in doing the law, there's the blessing of having done it, right? At the at the most basic level. And the curse is, is that like now that there's a law, it there's implies a that there's a consequence. Yeah. There's a breaking of the law. So right? so equate that to like a speed limit. Equate it to a speed limit? Well, How do you I'm, mean? I'm just, I'm thinking like, you know, in a very basic level of the, the most basic law I can think of is a speed limit. I know. Yeah. And so I'm trying to kind of understand it in those terms. So what's the blessing of obeying the speed limit? Safety. Okay. All around. It's a, it has a community effect, right? Like that, you know, there's, there's, uh, because crashing into somebody from behind because they're going yep. 30, 40 or some miles. pedestrian or mm-hmm. some child who's chasing a ball into the road, right? Like, so there's a determined, there's a determination that is made for, for a road that there's a safe speed for that road, mm-hmm. right? And so the, so the blessing of the speed limit is I presumably, and again, this is some presumption here that you in your vehicle and others in their vehicles traveling along in an attentive manner. I emphasize attentive, uh, that you would arrive at your location safely, right? And so the the curse would be, at its most basic level, a fine. Yeah. Right? And it, and it gets ratcheted up from there. Because I would say, like, if you hit a child, for most, Those, for yeah, most people, I would hope that they would say, like, that's its own curse. Yeah. Like, I, I have to live with the fact that, like, I hit a child and killed somebody. Was it, you mentioned earlier about PTSD off off air right, uh, yeah. that it, it often is connected with the terrible things that you yourself have done or had to do. Yeah, like we, and I mean that's that's in an accidental sense, right? Like yeah. no one is hopefully hitting kids with a car on purpose, but like in soldiers who have been forced to commit terrible acts. Like they see the malevolence in their own hearts, yeah, and they're confronted. Like that worldview of being a decent person is removed, and now you are in the abyss. And like so, oh, sorry, the world's the world's pulled out from under you. So, if if we're looking at like the blessing and the curse of following the law, accidental disobedience comes with some consequences, but intentional breaking of the law could go as far as you really starting to see the darkness in your own heart. I think that's why, like, we, last episode, we're differentiating between, you know, bad and evil. Mm. And we talked about intent, right? It's a horrible, yeah. terrible thing. Um, someone, you know, isn't paying attention. So it, like, hurts a child, but it's an evil thing, you know, if there's someone do it on purpose. to do it on purpose. Malevolence. Malevolence. So what would be the... Other side to that, what would be the intent to do good? What would what what's the word that we would attach to that? Anti malevolence, double plus unmalevolent. Well, there's a word for it: it's benevolence. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Listen, writer. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm, Thomas the Thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. So this is why I think again, coming back to like where we we were just a minute ago, why it's easier to say. You know, well, I don't do those things 
so I'm a good person. Because mm. once you start talking about, well, what does it mean then to be good? There's an awful lot that's asked of you when you start asking that question. Because mm-hmm. you can look at people who actually are good. <laughs> like, I'm not that. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not that. I'm person. not Mother Teresa. Yeah, I'm not Mother, not Mother Teresa, yeah. Right. Like, if Hitler's the example of evil in our right, yeah. past century, then Mother Teresa would surely be at least one of the examples at of goodness. At least one of them, you know. Are you guys familiar? This is awful, but... It's not awful, actually. It's it's incredibly deep for for the thing that often society will look at and be like, "Oh, that's just a bunch of nerds." Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> the D and D alignment chart. Are oh, you familiar sure. with that? Oh, yeah, like yeah. chaotic good, chaotic neutral. Yeah. yeah. So, but they they recognize there's a level of good, and that good has its own spectrum from lawful to neutral to chaotic. Neutral, you can be neither good nor bad. You're basically just kind of apathetic in the middle, or or bad. Or evil. I forget which way they, they term that. Um, I think it's evil. Yeah, yeah. And, but they all exist on both the spectrum of good to evil and lawful to chaotic. And that's that's its own very interesting look at good and evil when you start to look at it and go, like, who thought this up and decided we're going to categorize these things and put them on these spectrums? But when you see, like, the pictures people put on that spectrum, you're <laughs> like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Like, Pippin is chaotic good. Yes, <laughs> For those of our listeners out there that don't Aragrin know who Pippin is, <laughs> Aragorn took oh, Knight of Gondor. <laughs> I mean, but is that an actuality? Like, outs- I, I don't know if it's an actuality, know? but I think it's an interesting framework to start from when you start looking at those like, things. Is there We're gr- in episode two? We can't introduce a whole new. Fr- no, maybe we should. <laughs> is there, is there a whole new framework. Like, is there? I think so. One of the things about all these topics that I've I've sort of come to the realization is is like how difficult it can be to define them and to separate them and to like it's not just a matter of taking it and like putting it in some laboratory or like under a microscope, right? Like like there are there are so many implications in 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 these things. One of the things and and and, and this we sort of got into it with freedom that like it's so hard to to find it because it seems like all the times that we look for it, we find slavery as well, right? Whether it be in ourselves and our hearts and in our minds and in our decisions and our behavior, whether it be in our economic systems or our, our governmental systems, good and evil, like they find homes in our hearts in very strange ways and in very and in very <laughs> in very in very unusual places, right? Like there are times when I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like that thought or that word came out of my mouth uh, or that behavior happened. And then there are times when I'm like, yep, that's what I wanted. Mm. I wanted to say that and I said that. And then there are times, you know, when I'm like, I don't have any reason for, you know, doing this thing, helping this person, except that there seems to be something that calls me to do it. And so... One of the things that I think is is difficult about good and evil to define is is well, I'm gonna say two things. They are they we do I guess experience in, experience in them experience them I'll try that experience them on that spectrum because that we find that to be true about our lives. I think that we find we find pieces of that to be true about our lives. And the other thing about good and evil is is that is that we tend to associate them so closely with our behaviors. I think that 
we we have a hard time objectively objectively mm-hmm. defining them. I think so. <clears throat> this is where we get the idea of the lesser of two evils, which I hear every, every four years. Every time I go into a voting yeah, booth, yeah, and like, well, and I f- I have found out that the lesser of two evils for someone is always the evil they're more comfortable with. Sure, mm-hmm. it's like, but that's my own particular brand of evil. Mm-hmm. And really, I don't think it's evil. I'm just saying that because I want to, you know, you're poking something you know, here. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, really, I. I want, you know, that's, that's how I see myself. Like we look at. Like you see yourself in the candidate? In the candidate, right. Okay. You see, you know, Donald Trump, I think, was a mirror held up to American society. And I think there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, that guy, he can say exactly what I want to say. And much of what he built his campaign on. And then there's a lot yeah. of people like, well, he's saying the things that I'm afraid to say. And I'm uncomfortable with the fact that I actually have those things inside of me. I remember talking to someone one time and I was like, do you really think behind the scenes when there's no cameras on, Donald Trump is that different than any other politician? And this person was like, probably not, but I just don't want him to say it out loud. <laughs> and... I don't, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there who just found the man reprehensible. But I think he evoked such a strong reaction because he, there's a Donald Trump in the heart of every person. Oh, ouch. You know, there's there's selfishness, there's greed, there's indecency, there's, uh, you know, love for your in-group. All the things that Donald Trump represented it's there inside of us. And some of us are like, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. Mm-hmm. And other people, they're afraid that they too have that voice inside of them that, that he represents. You're kind, of, you're kind of defining him as evil. Because I don't, yeah, I well, don't. <laughs> I'm trying, and I'm not saying that I want to turn this into some sort of like, hey, let's redeem Donald Trump. Like that's not, yeah. And not, I don't actually saying. think Donald Trump is like metaphysically evil. <laughs> <laughs> He's a person. He's a person. Yeah, you know, and he shares the faults that we all share. But he had the psychic projection of millions of people placed upon him, and he ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some question as to whether or not, like, we created Donald Trump or he created himself. Right. Like, I mean... It's like the mirror image that, that you brought up, right? Right, yeah. It's I like, mean, well, is, is that is that him or is that just, like, him reflecting back to us what we want to hear or are afraid to hear? People will watch The Sopranos or Peaky Blinders or Game of Thrones, all this crap, and they will vote for the scummiest low-life... Like I want that guy to succeed. I don't want Tony Soprano to die. So, so and then they're like, then they're surprised when a politician like Donald Trump. It's like you were just voting in your hearts for Donald Trump with every TV show you've watched for the past two decades. So don't don't so get once, on your high so, horse. So once again, like, did we create him? Yeah, right. he's America. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. that's going on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump is America. <laughs> There'll be some people huh. who hate it, and some people. I'm being, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Here again, it's difficult to objectively define good and evil. 
because we find them personified in different places. Right. And the place that we ought to immediately find it personified is in ourselves. Yes. That, I think, is one of the things that we're saying here. I think, I think yeah. one of the things that we're saying is, is that there's a, reality to, there's a reality to good and evil, right? We find them to be true. We find them to both be present in our lives and, that, and, in, and in our lives around us. And we find that there are times when we, we pursue evil. And I'm not saying that's yeah. why people voted for Donald Trump. No. <laughs> and I'm not saying that either. I know you're not. I'm aware of not. all the socioeconomic cultural reasons. But I think it's – what I do is I think it's interesting. I think it's very, very interesting that people who have had such a – like there's no neutral ground there. Right? And I kind of picked him for that reason. Like I don't – I've very met – I've met very few people who are indifferent. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. You know? And like there's – Yeah, they love him or hate him. Yeah. And, and – uh, and I do think, like, you know, again, just look into your own hearts. Like, and I, and the, it'd be easier, right, if all the bad guys were, were Sauron, right, in a big dark tower with a flaming eye. And I'm, Well, let's wait until after the Rings of Power come out because we might find <laughs> – I'm sorry. Well, but, never, but a quick, lot of times on. the bad guys – the Rings of Power. Move on. A lot of times the bad guys are Boromir, right? Oh, Boromir, man, he is the perfect picture of human redemption – in my opinion. I that's like Malcolm's making the face. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I don't I, like I think that's where we we mess it up, right? We yes. don't see the the bad guys as Boromir. We see them as Sauron and the bad guys. I'm that's very quotey, you know, not not real bad guys, our opponents, enemies. And yeah, yeah enemies, ideological opponents, whatever you want to call it. But you know, Facebook friends. Fa- yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's a perfect example, right? Because you had someone with noble intentions corrupted by absolute power. Yep. Who ultimately was redeemed through self-sacrifice. And I think there you see, and we've touched on this a little bit, good and evil. We keep coming back to behavior, but I think it's motive. What we see, and, and if we're really honest, if we look at the D&D chart... If we're really honest, most of the time we're just hanging out, camped on neutral, neutral. And at times we move into evil and at times we move into good. And it's those times that we can move into good that I think we we see something about ourselves that we're maybe impressed by. And the times that we move into evil, we see something about ourselves that terrifies us. It's not so much the terrifying when we move to evil. It's the joy in it. I was just going to say what terrifies me the most is how good it feels. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, and that's why it's terrifying. Like we were talking before the podcast, before we started recording about <clears throat> how actually there's pleasure circuits for when you commit violence. Like dopamine is released in your brain when you commit violence and adrenaline, obviously, and all that. And we could say, well, obviously, you know, we needed that at some primordial state, right? Like, because we had everything in nature was trying to kill us and eat us. So we needed biological mechanisms to get us to actually, like... Feel good about to feel good hurting people? Well, to feel good about defending ourselves, to, like, have the strength to defend ourselves, which is where adrenaline comes into play, and not be crushed overwhelmingly by guilt hmm. afterwards. But I think that there's something much more there than biology. Like, it should all give us pause that 
I mean, you like ask serial killers, like they'll tell you, like it felt good. Is there, is there a similar, is there a similar thing that happens in doing good? And I don't know because I haven't done the research on that. But is there a similar thing that happens when you when you do good? All your research is on the dark side. What's I, going I know, on? I, I, <laughs> I spent more time there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna take a guess that there is, and that it gets found. And again, you know, they get mixed up, right? But like in in our relationships, in our loving relationships, right? I think I, I'm gonna guess that there's probably some chemical releases like you're saying oh, you know, yeah. when we do when we do acts of good right google says yes oh good thank you <laughs> but is that like the saint Louis? Like, so like you're talking about our loving relationships like what about people who are outside of those relationships like outside the tribe like charity itself does charity create a reward circuit and i would argue like if like if you're getting rewarded chemically in your brain for the good you do are you really doing good, or are you just pleasure seeking at a different level? Ah, uh, so now, see, now we're we're talking about motive and intent. Well, but but more than that, we're sort of venturing into like, is there is there something that is that is good or that is evil that is outside of ourselves? And I would say yes. Yeah, I think there has to be. Why does there have to be? Because if there's not an objective, absolute good. Then there's no there's no good other than what benefits me or the most people at the most time. This comes back to something that that we had talked to because if there's if there's no objective objective good, then why call anything good? Right. Right. Um, and it's something that kind of comes back to to what we talked about in our last episode about a consciousness level to it. Okay, which which probably comes to comes to our intent and our motive. Right. Um, and this is why I say, like, sometimes, sometimes the good can have this, I, I said destructive, Mike, you said overwhelming, Thomas, you said redeeming quality, right? Sometimes we, we do the good not because it provides some sort of benefit to us, but because it is the right thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's the whole, like, you know, don't sound a trumpet before men and yeah. do your good deeds. Yeah, I don't know that I was going to that place. Well, so but, but to the place of good doesn't doesn't always require a benefit, does it? I don't think it does. I think at least in our perspective. Um, do you have a tangible Sure. Let's take a common argument right now with billionaires. You okay. can't you can't be a billionaire without, you know, trampling upon somebody, right? But to say to somebody like it's it's not right for you to have a billion dollars, why would you agree to that? Like if if that means for you that you can provide for yourself, for your family, for all of your things, well, from your perspective, no, it's absolutely good for me to have a billion dollars, mm, right? So for society to say to you, like, you should use that to help others. And by the way, like in the past, there have been plenty of examples where like that was an expectation that was upon those who were the most well off. Oh, yeah. 
you know, I mean, were, all the way back Old Testament, right? Yeah, you them. were you were sort of expected, like if you, if if you had been, you know, blessed through chance or through hard work, like you had some responsibility to like look out for the least of these, right? Um, and so, you know, what you're essentially doing in 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 saying to somebody who's earned a billion dollars, either either on the one hand, like you're saying, like, well, that's that's unrighteous money, like you earned it in what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, on the unethical labor, on the, labor on the backs of your laborers. Yeah, you earned it unethically, and so How and do so you ethically earn a billion dollars. I, I, you know, if you if you <laughs> just keep adding nine. zeros to the end of end of the end of the bill, it's real easy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> my my point is is like, what was my point? My point is that you you're asking somebody to sort of deny something, right? Right. With, without an objective standard of the good you have no right to say to that person of course that you should give you know you should give some of that money away well and that's the thing about you know how these things work out you know um you know so the speed limit the speed limit example right there are plenty of reasons for for the speed limit to be what it is that are objective I guess right. there's all this rationale behind it yeah there's a whole bunch of there's a whole, whole and bunch it costs of, the state less money to clean up accidents <laughs> um, that's one of them. This is also why we have seatbelt laws, and it and it costs us costs insurance companies less. Yes, but it's also a matter of the construction of the road, and it's a matter of the construction of cars. and And I seem to remember hearing at some point, like when the speed limit on highways went from fifty five to sixty five, that a piece of it was not because of the highways themselves, but because of the cars, hmm. because cars had been made more able to do higher speeds in a safer manner. Huh. So we're getting into the weeds. We gotta, I know, I know, yeah. I know. I'm sorry, sorry. So, we, yeah, where okay. I wanted to go. So, like, <laughs> yeah, we're you got a place you want to go? Yeah. Well, I want to talk about first, like, let's let's keep it with the billionaires with that moral standard, right? Because we're talking about good and evil. We oh, have the a objectivity. So, we it. have a society that has said, basically, since its founding here in America, that that's the dream. And we put those people on the cover of Forbes and on top of all type of magazines. I mean, again, Donald Trump, everyone loved that guy until he decided that he was going to run for president. Oprah, Al Sharpton, the Clintons, every single person who hated him loved him. Why? Because he was the American dream until he decided he was going to come in and tinker around and screw with their narrative. So we don't actually live in this country like we have objective moral standards we have standards that benefit us when they benefit us right i would say that that's true today but i don't know that it was true of the founding of it maybe not at the founding like although I, like all men are created equal thank you boy go get me some more coffee <laughs> <laughs> my standards are a pet and consistent i don't care because i get my tea without taxes now right yeah I mean, it's what we're running up, and what we're running up against, I think, is the interplay between freedom and good and evil. Yes, and again, you know, we come back to the objectivity of these things, good and evil. Like they have to have their play out in human behavior. They have to have their play out in all these systems that we that we create, or are either. And sometimes our systems, you know, sort of create themselves just because of our because of our our behavior. Um, and the American dream thing like that, that has the smack a lot more of, of post-World War II 
you know, upward mobility type of thing than it does, than it does of like some sort of principled, you know, founding of, of what, what the, what the country would be founded upon. Right. And, and yeah, you're, you're right to, to sort of rail against it on, on one sense, because, um, because we have examples of it, because we have examples of where it has run rampant. We have examples of where, you know, there's been a twisting of, of good and evil. And that's, that's something that is, is, is quite frankly, very, very troubling about, about our current, our current perceptions of good and evil, that, that it does seem very much like we can twist these things to our own desires at the whim of a hat, or uh, sorry, at the whim of a hat, the drop of a hat, <laughs> and our own whims, we can twist these things so, because we make them into because we make them into wh- whatever it is that we want, and so because, and I, I guess this is your point, right? I guess I'm just sort of picking up on your own energy here that 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 when we when we remove them from some sort of objective thing, like you know, we end up we end up with chaos. So we talked last. We talked last episode about how we're much, it's much easier for us to look at something, something and say that's evil than to look at something and say that's good. Right? We're much more comfortable saying about something like that's evil than about the good. And I think, and like to tie it in with my <laughs> rant, <laughs> um, if there's an objective good, that objective good is just as ruthless, <laughs> if not more so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's Ab- unbending. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to make too many pop culture references, but we but we were thinking about that with the with the rule of life, right? Like, and when it's broken, right? Like, but that's the rule. You don't get to be a Mandalorian anymore, right? <laughs> that's the that was the pop culture reference. Constant listeners. Um, so hang on, because <laughs> in case you were unaware, there's case, a television show called you, The Mandalorian. In it case is you have by, yeah, in case you haven't been listening to our episodes and discovered our likes and dislikes um uh so you you said that we're we're far more inclined to point out what is evil right that was that what you said yeah we're more comfortable with it to okay. say something's absolutely evil than something's absolutely good yeah yeah i i think that i, I want to disagree with you on a l- probably a nuanced piece of that but i think that we're more inclined to call something evil not because it's evil, but because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Yes, prob- probably so. Because I think that I think that right now in our current culture, I think that we're a lot more. I think we're a lot more inclined to call something evil as a as a way to tear down our enemies. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I wish that we were more inclined to observe the evil in our own hearts. I, because, yes. <laughs> but well, I think that we're far more inclined to observe the evil in somebody else's heart. And what we identify as evil in somebody else is generally just a place that we disagree about. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with what is good or what is right. It has just a lot to do with our own principles. And here's the poke. Here's, I think here's the poke for, for our listeners, which is to say, look at your own hearts and say, what is it that you call good and evil? What is it that, what is, is, do, do you have an objective good? Do you have an objective evil that you can identify in your own lives and say, there it is, right? And if so, then 
then what? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, well, it, it may we may have wandered I off guess. of it a, a bit, but I think um, even even one of the the things like I notice in my own self having a minor detail to my backstory here, like I've I've come a long way from where I was twenty years ago, uh, ph- philosophically and spiritually, and um, you know, like I've been in always in a state of of challenging ideas. Uh, so having grown up in church and everything, um, and the things that I find that I have the most strong response to are the things that 10 years ago I was on the other side of. And now I look at and go, no, no, I no that, that stance or that, that attitude is damaging. And in that, it's not that like, oh, I'm better now. Right. And, and I see the bad that that was, it's like, it's the same process all over again because now I have to look at my own motive in challenging that idea just the same as when I was at that point looking back. Um, so, you know, take Donald Trump, right? Ten years ago, I probably oh would have been <laughs> a wicked Donald Trump supporter. Uh, and, you know, by the time he actually came into the, the scene, I, I looked at that and, and said, no, there's no way that this is a, a good representation of what I think conservatism is about uh, or Christianity is about even more so. And so that that in and of itself became such a stronger response for me. But in that strong response, saying, no, no, that's not a good way to go, not necessarily saying it's an evil way, but not the good way to go. In that, I have to look at my own motives again because it's so tempting to be like, and so you guys are all Sauron. Right, yeah. Instead of, hey, we're all kind of Boromir's here. And we need to figure this out. I don't know. I want a t-shirt that says we are all Boromir. We are all Boromir. (laughs) We're all just trying to walk to Mordor. No, I like that you said that because I like, you know, I find the same thing within me. Like, you know, I, you know, I can be pretty socially conservative. And like, so my knee jerk reaction is like, is to, well, what do you mean? You know? Right. And it's, I'm not woke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a constant, constant, constant struggle to not want to place the most vile um, intentions on people I disagree with. Yes. Because it's easier if they're evil. So is it easier? So if you understand them, like if you, if you determine their intentions, is it easier to not see them as, as vile as the enemy anymore? If you understand their intentions, yeah, not all the time. I think if it. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you confirm that they are so. Yeah, Ron. sometimes your intentions. I'm like, actually, that makes it worse. Well, what if you find, you know, okay, so let's. Uh, I I can't pick. Just up go on with a, it. Abortion. Just no, do it. <laughs> no, I can't. No, it wasn't that. It was the it was the student loan forgiveness thing. But like, I don't want to use an example from from politics because it's such a loaded thing right now. But I, I think those are the things that we need to be able to have the conversation about the thing instead of about how awful the people who represent the other side are. Well, the reason I don't want to bring it up as, an, as a thing is because because the intentions in politics have become so murky. Oh, that's fair. It, it, I, I don't I don't know that the intentions in in anything that happens right now politically is is really trustworthy. And and that's probably true like throughout history. I'm not saying oh, that yeah. like right now is different. You know, um, I'm just saying like it it seems a lot more obvious right now. So I, I, I was trying to think of like something. If, if if 
if you, I don't know what would be. I'm going to walk away from this one. I'm just. <laughs> I'm, think, I'm going to back up on this one. <laughs> I think knowing my own intentions helps me be more compassionate. It's all looking in my own heart because when I see people who get upset horribly at you know say people with different political ideologies it's like oh yeah like i do that and like it's a it's a constant struggle to not why do you have that struggle and somebody else doesn't because i believe that there's a good i'm supposed to be <laughs> moving towards which is beyond all of these political but, but that thomas believes they have a good every yeah. every trump supporter believes that they have good in their intentions too Right. And every did you just every, out him as not a Trump supporter? And every <laughs> every I did, and every every person who doesn't support Donald Trump believes that they have because some I believe good the good is opposed. beyond. I believe the good is beyond politics, so that's why I'm like God can the ultimate because, and this is the problem, right? This is why, like, this is why we ourselves are falling into so much kind of like relativism and like with what we're talking about. Because we're talking about this in very human terms, political terms. Like, if you have to move towards a good that is transcendent, that that, that first and foremost calls you beyond your own sin and your own evil. And that's the only way I have found in my life to be like, that person is better than me because I know what's in my heart and I don't know what's in their heart. And like, and to struggle to love, to make a choice to love, to refuse to hate, even though it's, you know, even though there's this hardwired, you know, reptilian part of my brain that wants me to do that. Why do you think that those things are good, though? Why do I think that? That like, not hating somebody is good. <sighs> because would it, be, would it be good to hate Hitler? No. Which is not the same to say it's good to a, like, to love Hitler. No, well, to <laughs> oh oppose, man, I love that guy. To oppose Hitler. Well, this is so okay. So, let's just take the veil off. This is why Christ said, "Love your enemies," because mm. even you know, even the even the Nazis love those who love them. But that's 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 my question, right? Like, not everybody has that thing inside them that struggles against and that, and that examines their own heart. And for our listeners, like that is one of our own goals. Like that, if you're listening, I hope that is one of your goals to be able to examine your own heart because we stated like, we want to take these things and we want to examine them. We want to take these axioms and we want to examine them and say like, okay, why? Right. And, and, and like you just said, well, even the Nazis, love right. one another, right? Like that's, there has been, I don't care if you are an atheist, go and objectively read what Christ taught and tell me if there's been anything more radical taught to humanity than that. The forgiveness of all debts, the loving of those who hate you, the turning the other cheek, the refusing of violence. So I mean, that's so the ob So it. the object, object nature... I keep getting it mixed up. The the unsubjective nature of good. It's the bat. Run. The unsubjective nature of of good and evil 
is so very difficult for us to arrive at because we have it colored by our perspective. So in order, I think, to define good and evil, like we need them, you use the word transcended, I'm going to use the word personified. We need them personified in, in, in some somebody that is objectively good, that is uncolored by, uncolored by evil, right? And, and because then it's, then you can point and you can say, there it is, there, 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 that person is right. And I, and, and in answer to the question of like, well, why is it that you examine your own heart? I think it is God in your life. I think it's because of your experience of God. I think it is because of, because of your understanding of, of, of faith and what it means to have to, to say like, there's a part of this that calls me and recognizes the evil in my own life. And so then, and so therefore calls me to examine my own life and say, if I have evil in my, in my own life, it, it needs, it needs the good to drive it out. Right. It needs the good to overwhelm it, to destroy it. Right. Light, light needs to dispel the darkness. Love needs to overcome hate. And I, like, even like in this, like, you know, I have no problem admitting how hard this is. I mean, I just clearly was getting worked up over a few things in this podcast alone. <laughs> like we the, haven't had to edit, edit anything out. No, before. we haven't had to edit Wow, anything. surprise, surprise. Another podcast where Thomas gets worked up about something. Right, yeah, it's a surprise. <laughs> it happens to all of us. <laughs> and I think, you know, and, and to be honest, it's because, you know, those things, like I root for Tony Soprano too. Like I root for, you know, Thomas Shelby of uh, Peaky Blinders fame. I, I, you know, these, there's something about that, that person, that character who is going to crush everyone in his way that resonates with people. It's in the, what I think it is, is I think it's because they are personifications of the unhindered human will. Are you saying the Without unhindered any human will is evil? Yes, I think the unhindered human will is evil. But the stories of struggle are the ones that we, we tend to like the most, yes. I think. I'm way more moved by Aragorn than I am <laughs> by Soprano. But when I am watching The Sopranos, I root for that guy. And I recognize, I recognize, like, the other night I was sitting there and I was, you know, the kids were all asleep and I was watching TV. I was like, why am I watching this? Like, there's nothing good here. There's nothing redeeming about this program. There's nothing that's going to make me a better person. Like, all I am doing right now is killing a couple hours until I can go to bed and wake up tomorrow. And I'm doing it with the most dark, primal fantasies possible. And there, so, like, we, we've said in a few podcasts that like those, are, those stories of redemption and good are the ones that speak to us. I've noticed that in our modern world, those stories are becoming less and less. Well, there's a, there's a trend where we are exploring the humanity behind evil. Yes. And I, I think that that's both good and bad. Uh, in the one hand, that as we're looking at that and, you know, life imitates art, art imitates life, I think we're going to see more imitation of garbage. Uh, but on the other hand, I think it's important for us to look at the darkness in our humanity and be able to grapple with it. And so I, th I think that's the piece that ends up missing. And I don't think that it's intentionally missing. I think that if you're watching it from the right standpoint, you are going to have to grapple with that. Uh, I guess it depends on, on which shows. I've, I've never watched The Sopranos. I'm sorry. I've... You, you haven't either? No, I haven't. Great. 
Good. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never really watched it. I'm finally in the majority with pop culture references over here. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think there is there is value in exploring the humanity instead of just the the ultimate good versus the ultimate bad, where the bad guys are always bad and the good guys are always right. There's some blues traveler lyrics in here somewhere, <laughs> but uh, it, it's you have to start to understand that some, even the people that you look at and say those people are evil, there's humanity there, and then be able to look at yourself and say there's evil in here sometimes too. Well, I think that's where the loving comes into play. Because if you, if you seek to love even your enemies, then can you have love without understanding? Well, that was part of my question, I think. When I asked, like, if you can understand somebody's motives in something, right. does that mean that you have more, can you have more sympathy for, or more understanding for them? You know, can you, does that humanize them in a sense? And, it, I mean, isn't, isn't humanizing, like you're talking about, Mike, it is sort of like seeing myself in them, right? I, I think ultimately that's what that comes down to. Is identifying. Yeah. That if, there's something common. So... I'll hazard a question. That's what we're about. If you were able to fully understand another person who was even committing the most atrocious actions, would you be able to call them evil? If you were able to fully understand. Like, and if you were able to love them. Right? If you're able to love truly your enemy. You mean like if I knew somebody was about to betray me? Are you identifying <laughs> with them yeah. so much to the point where now <laughs> where now you're you've fallen into evil with them, is that what you mean? No. Like you, you understand why they're doing what they're doing and what they think they're accomplishing. Like what am like is there ever a point where like would Hitler's mother still want to cradle him? In her arms, after he just took, you know, after he just shot himself, would and would and in doing so, could her love redeem him? I have a family member who has been, I mean, has been described as evil by some people, um, and uh, she's done a lot of harm. Uh, Malcolm knows some of the stories. But, uh, you know, is genuinely her motives are, are malicious and selfish. And I would say that, you know, I understand why. Like, you know, a very abusive background. Um, I, I totally get all of that. And I would love to see that person turn that around. Um, I would love to see that person step away from that lifestyle. And if I could and i've proven that i my influence doesn't really do anything but if i could be in that person's life and not just invite harm to everyone around me i would do it i'm i'm struggling with your with your question thomas um and Mike, 
you know, when you bring up the example, it's, it's, we oftentimes hold things out on the, with the payment of repentance. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we are often willing to offer love at the price of repentance. Yeah. And is that something that's, that's in your, in your question, Thomas, your original question, I, I I don't know if we can roll the tape back, but I'm trying to remember exactly how you phrased it. Um, if we could understand... If we could understand and fully love someone who's doing these things, would we still consider them evil? The person that was doing these things? Yeah. Or would we see... So does the understanding... Uh, I mean, the understanding doesn't change something that is evil, does it? Is the person evil or are the motives evil? Right. Can you differentiate? I think you can. Like, you know, this is like... No? Well, is the person evil or are the motives evil? One goes with the other, right? So... Well, but the motive... I mean, the motive is because of the person. But the, the person can, can adopt different motives. And I think you see that's that's what a changed life is is adopting different motives. I'm no longer adopt. I'm or at least I'm striving to adopt good motives instead of evil motives. Am I still evil because I was Hitler at one point, but now I want to be Mother Teresa? Mm. So the redemption aspect well, that's, of it. And I think that's one of the things we we don't have redemption in our world today. We, our concepts of forgiveness. <laughs> we have Twitter will destroy you. Yes, we have cancel culture. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with that. But uh, so. So let's like say, say <laughs> well, let, let me put it like concrete, okay? Like, so you hear about these, these, you know, you know, terrorists or drug lords or whatever, you know, today, and you know, you hear like, oh, you know, Al Qaeda leader was killed, and you know, there'll be like a bunch of heart reacts. <laughs> On the, uh, you know, the New York Times feed. And I'm like, that's still, like... Somebody's boy. Yeah. Like, that's still a person who's dead. Sure. Yeah. Right? And, like, we don't... The concept of death being a tragedy, you know, that even Christ wept at Lazarus's grave. Like, we miss that. We're like... That's good that that person's dead. It's like it's not good that person's dead. Yeah, no, I agree. With Even you if that. like we had like you know, the we have you know instances of justifiable wars where clearly something had to be done to stop this immense evil. It's not good that people had to die for it. Like it's in an ultimate sense. in an ultimate sense. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not. I yeah. wouldn't say that it's evil. Like. It's very far away from the good if we're going to talk about a spectrum. Hmm. It's still, it's a tragedy. And we recognize that. Like, we reckon. Help me to understand. Okay, I understand your concrete example. I get it. Um, and I'm with you on that. But help me understand the relationship of that to, to your question prior. The one about Hitler's mother. Well, your question her. prior to this, yeah. Right. You know, like, so the, the one about how would, understanding... So would, are you saying that, like, when I read the... When I read the thing in the... It's a complicated issue. Here's what I'm going to... Here's what I'm going to venture an answer to this. I think it's a complicated issue. Because I, I, I would hope that 
there's some level of maturity in the reader or in the listener to, to that news story to say, yeah, like what that person did was bad, even, even evil, right? And yet they're still a person, right? right? So does your question have less to do with evaluation or with the with assigning a, a label of good or evil to that person and simply assigning a, a value to life in general? Yeah, maybe, maybe just to the value of life in general. But, you know, like, let's... Because I agree with you. Like, like, there's a part of me... There's a part of me that sort of understands the death sentence. And there's a part of me that says it shouldn't be. Yeah. But... But the thing of it is, is that, you know, death is a reality and death, if we, if we are going to say that there is an ultimate good and an ultimate evil, and I don't, I, you know, this is kind of making a leap here, but is the, is there punishment and blessing for these things in our behavior? And is that the connection, is that the connection to our behavior? Is the, is the connection, or and, and so again, is the, the reason that these things, that, that good and evil, are so inexplicably linked with our behavior because we're, we're looking for the benefit of them? Like cost analysis? Mm, I don't know about cost analysis, but... We're trying, to, we're trying to, for lack of better terms, get a blessing... And yeah. there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Yeah. The wrong way to, to seize the blessing is evil and the right way to receive the blessing by doing what is considered good, that's good. That well, was a terrible definition using the word to define the word. But Well, the, the twisting – I mean the twisting of the blessing and evil like you know, on a base level like Thomas was saying would be you – know, it just makes me feel good, right? Right. But on the on, – like the, the real twisting of it would be not just that I do something that, that – you know, makes me feel good, but now like harming somebody makes me feel good, right? Right. Like, so I'm I'm the, getting satisfaction by right. harming other people. So that's and, a I mean that's a twisted blessing, which is a great yeah. name for a death metal bland band. But you guys ready to start it? I'm not nearly good enough of a. Will you bring your bagpipes? Yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> they bagpipes. They definitely remind me of death. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna play master of puppets on the bagpipes. <laughs> Mainly the one I hope for while listening to bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough crowd. <laughs> so in in terms of then like if you're looking at a, a a blessing of some sort like you know taking taking all the spiritual connotations away from that and just considering blessing being the satisfaction in something and good and evil are you're, you're saying it's two sides of the same coin going after a blessing a, one one way is a just path and one way is an unjust path. Well, it gets at your question of like why, why does it seem like there's something in me to, that desires the evil, you know? Mm, because my my understanding of the blessing that I think I want, at least, the way to it, is outside of what it would be considered the right path. I think the reason we desire evil is like let's look at like the personifications of evil. Lucifer in literature and like movies and films, <laughs> right? I mean, the personification of evil is always that which is ultimately self-seeking and will destroy all things in its path for the sake of itself and the self's dominion over 
everything else. Mm-hmm. Was that Thanos? I mean, he was. I think he was more like always. I mean, that's that's Satan. That's Sauron. That's you know, like like when the you sheriff look at- in Sherwood Forest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish I could do the old cartoon voice for. <laughs> um, but Thanos was more like he wanted to bring. He saw pain in the universe and wanted to bring some sort of balance. Right. But it was a twisted, a, a perverse approach to bringing that balance. You know, he he sought ultimate power so he could bring this balance. Instead of bringing everybody up, it was okay. We got to get rid of half the people. That complicates things. Let me stick with my more simplistic theory. <laughs> Sauron just wanted to rule Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like that's the traditional figure of evil. Maybe like yeah. Thanos speaks more to the complications of our modern society. Our modern society today, and like what we would use power for. Um, mm. But it is true. Like the way that we oftentimes think of evil is by personifying it, right? Yes. And we oftentimes take those examples that personify it as the ones that are the most self-seeking. So Sauron, so Satan, Hitler, right? Like, you know, we we do we do take those examples of of those that are Snidely that are, Whiplash, huh? Snidely Whiplash. Whoa, you got me there. That's a Family Guy reference. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm, a two for two, Malcolm. All right. Well, I mean, I you're watch, on the outside now. Oh, you do no. watch it? Never. Well, I watched it up. To, I watched it up to a point, and then I said, "This is pointless." <laughs> Seth MacFarlane, if you want to be a guest on our podcast, please join us. Um, <laughs> so, I'm curious what point you got to to determine that it was pointless. I'm, yeah, we're going off the rails. Yeah. Here, so. I don't. It was. Uh, Stick with selfishness. A couple seasons the, I was into, and then the, after that, it got kind of. It got too much. Um, <laughs> the pursuit, the pursuit of evil. We keep coming back to the pursuit of something. I've noticed that. We just keep talking mm-hmm. about evil. Like, we haven't even touched what the good is yet. Not just that, but like, no, but just the pursuit of something, right? The, 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 the idea that that we have this thing within us that needs to, or that we have this lack of it in us, right? Um, I think that I think that our natural proclivity is to pursue evil. I think that there's there, there needs to be something outside of us that sort of teaches us to pursue good. And maybe that's a parent, maybe that's, you know, a mentor in our lives. Like, I'm not saying that that always has to be like some, some, you know, transcendent divine reality, right? But like, maybe there's just a person in our lives that teaches us like, this is what good looks like. You know what I mean? And and I think that that ultimately really is like very much the job of a parent. Well, I think that also like, that's why, you know, we see in every single culture that's ever existed, law, and consequence, <laughs> even tribal societies, it's like, no, you break the tribal law, there's serious repercussions because yeah. we have to restrain human humanity's natural inclination towards destruction. Yeah, and... and I'm stronger d- than you? That's mine now. Right, right. And so, oh, God. Well, I, I, I was going to say we have this, this need to, to codify it into a pattern of behavior, right? I was thinking about that with law, that sometimes law identifies the good, and sometimes law is not as much in, in, in interested in identifying the good as it is in restraining behavior. Mm-hmm. And there's, there, can be, there can be good in that, but even that can be twisted oh, to, yeah. to be no longer good. That's what makes great court dramas when it's you know how are we going to twist this to make it work in our favor 
you can't handle the truth. Um, well, laws, I mean, you don't really need threats of violence, which is what laws are, threats of violence. Just go break one and see what happens. <laughs> like, I'm not going to argue with you. I've never been punched for speeding, but... No, but you will get a fine, and if you ignore those fines long enough, you will... Yeah, I'll eventually be from society. Uh, forcibly taken to a yeah. place I can't leave. So We're going to put you in a room? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, like, we don't need threats of violence for the good, right? Like, oh... Well, like, that and alone, I mean, that's like an ends justifying the means, right? right it doesn't like, work. Yeah, it's like, oh, we don't, you know... There's got to be something else. Our, our, the people in our society are just being too nice to each other. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, no, we have murder, we have rape, we have theft. We have all these things. Like, we need laws in place. So laws can move us to neutrality, but they can't move us to goodness. I would agree with that. Yes. Oh, that's an interesting that's thought. Yeah. Merely the fact that we have laws implies that there is a bad or that there is an evil. Well, that's at least something society doesn't like. Yeah, something that's not expedient. <laughs> if I'm going to be cynical. <laughs> But, you know, okay, well, to, to pick up your argument, though, like laws oftentimes have, especially in ancient cultures, had an extreme religious connection to them. Yes. Well, that's because you're dealing with people who are religious. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but my, my, my point is, is that I think that on a basic level or on a, on a, on a much more on that level, at the, at the least, that there's there's some understanding of good and evil as as connected to right or or right and wrong as connected to good and evil so i find it interesting today um because i said you know we don't have laws to like force the good but we actually have laws in america to prevent you from doing good like not being able to feed the homeless oh really well there's there's cities where you okay towns where you can't feed the homeless there's 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 Weird beneficial laws for good, though. There, there's weird laws that, like, most of them are tax based around charitable giving and things like that, which stops it from being charity. Yes, no, no, no. I agree. I agree with you. And that was there's a quote from Justice Scalia about that, um, about how, you know, when you remove when you when you make it sort of compulsory that it no longer is it no longer is charity, yeah. right? Um, we're reaching, we're reaching an end, and, and I'm kind of glad because I feel like we have another episode on this in us because we haven't really answered I feel our like questions. This episode was just insanely chaotic. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, was I, it evil? <laughs> I was just chaotic not, neutral. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos is not necessarily evil. It does feel it, it does feel somewhat chaotic, but but let's let's review for a moment just so that we can sort of set ourselves in, into some place so that our next episode doesn't necessarily have to be so chaotic. <laughs> It'll be totally lawful. So we started with this: do they do good and evil define each other? How do we defi- how do we define them? And we quickly we cl- quickly got into this whole discussion of of their connection to our behaviors and our choices, and how they play out in society and and. Mike, I liked your sort of alignment chart example um, because we recognize we begin to recognize these things in ourselves, right? Thomas, you you brought up the 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 idea that we don't really operate with an objective good in mind um, in our society because because in part we just we just sort of devolve into like uh, a a discussion of of how that isn't something that that I I like, right? Good for most of us is directly correlated to what we want. Yes, yes. 
Exactly. And so that comes into, into play with, again, with our behaviors and our desires and our wants and everything. But we also, we also kind of affirmed that, that, that there are times when there are times when good is beneficial to us, right? Like when there is, when there is blessing to be found in it. And, and, and I like the word blessing because I'm not trying to say that it's prosperous for us to be good, right? That mm-hmm. it's, I'm not trying to say that it's, it's beneficial in a, in a, in a cost benefit analysis, like you were, like you were saying, Thomas. Um, and so we haven't necessarily defined what is good and evil. Maybe we've defined what it, <laughs> what it isn't. Um, but I think that our I think I think that our conversation has still been has been good um, because because we've examined this thing and that and that is always going to be our purpose and and I don't know about our our listeners out there but I'm I am sort of comfortable coming to a place of at times a place of saying maybe this is something that still needs to be thought about further i mean we're not going to be the authority on these things no i think (laughs) we're not (laughs) sorry mike i think we're leaving a bunch of stuff unanswered and we're dancing around a bunch of things we're leaving we've talked a little bit about which we always do right but like we talked a little bit about you know our desire for evil and like in these conversations these last two conversations like we just are mainly talking about evil i think we need to have next episode, a real in-depth discussion about what evil is and why we actually desire it. And I think only then can we move on. To <laughs> you want to further discuss evil? You got to go through hell before you can get to heaven. <laughs> Sounds like some 80s music coming out of the... <laughs> I mean, if I mean, just look at the pattern. Crucifixion, descent, resurrection. Yeah, and that is something that is, that is found in most world religions, I think. It is. The hero descends first before he can find the, the treasure. Cricket, cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the cusp of saying, well, listener, this has been our second episode. <laughs> and the cusp of asking a question. Ask um, the question. Ask the question. I forgot the question. Oh, no. It'll come back to me. I'll ask it at the beginning of next episode. Because this has been What Would You Do If We Poke You in the Axiom? <laughs> glad you could be with us. If you're still with us, we are absolutely astounded. That <laughs> <laughs> but we are thankful uh, that you, constant listener, have come back for more. And we hope that you will continue on with us as we, as we seek this out, um, as we seek, seek out our, an understanding of good and of evil. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or found it challenging, please like and share with your friends. You can find us online at pokethexiom.com and join the conversation yourself at facebook.com forward slash pokethexiom. Your hosts were Malcolm Fowler, Thomas Barton, and Mike Dion. This episode was recorded at the Black River Innovation Campus in Springfield, Vermont, and is sponsored by Indelible Inc., a web agency driven to perfect your digital presence.